Are you an HR department of one trying to figure out how to balance task and strategy while keeping up with changes in regulatory compliance? Do you need a fresh outlook on old topics? Then stop what you're doing, grab your coffee, and get ready to recharge. If you have people, you have problems to solve and things to do. Your host is Brenda Neckvottle, a 20-year human resource professional, ready to explore the HR industry with veterans of business and life with fresh eyes and new ideas. Learn about the rapidly evolving changes in employment law around the country, as well as new tactics to deploy and build engagement in your workforce. If you're looking to implement new practices to make your job easier in HR, then this podcast is for you. Hello, everybody, and thank you for joining me again today. Um, this is Brenda, and welcome to the Best Practices in HR podcast series. So I am excited to have you guys here. If this is your first time listening, welcome, welcome, welcome. Um, this show is intended to provide you a significant amount of resources, information, perspective, point of view, and knowledge on how you manage the HR function. And if you are a continued listener, thank you so much, really, for coming back time and time again. I really do appreciate it. Uh, Trust me, it doesn't go unnoticed, and I am just excited that you guys are here. But before we go forward, I just want to share with you guys that the information available through this podcast is, in fact, for informational purposes and not for the purpose of providing any kind of legal advice. You should contact your attorney to obtain legal advice with respect to any particular issue. If you do not have an employment attorney, you may contact me, and I may be able to refer one to you through our affiliates program and connect you with our friends over at Jackson Lewis. Okay, folks, uh, today we are back again with Kim, and uh, we are excited that she's here, and we are continuing the second part of a two-part series looking at how employers can work with their brokers, and it is benefit season, quote-unquote, for most companies because they do tend to renew their plans in the beginning of January, and a lot of the planning that goes into that is starting now. So we wanted to definitely get some relative, relevant, pertinent information out there so it's timely and it works with you guys. But before I continue to blather on there, let me uh, go ahead and welcome Kim back. How are you? Great, Brenda. Thanks for having me back. Thank you. You are a real trooper for doing this. <laughs> I appreciate it. <laughs> so, Absolutely. You talk about this all day long, so, but that's what you do, right? I love it. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Okay, so let's do this. So let's take a look at, so we've already talked about how, you know, how to best work with your broker overall. But but now we're getting into it's time to get those guys to, as Kim says, sharpen their pencils and start negotiating for a renewal rate or new business rates. So let's start taking a look at that. So in, in Kim, from what you see, what do carriers look for when it comes to renewals and new business? So carriers are looking to ensure a good risk. And so it's it's helpful for us as a broker to be able to tell a story to the carrier. The more information we have about a company, the better information they will have to underwrite the group. Now, I'm talking, you know, large group medical, life, disability, dental, um, when it comes to telling that story. From groups one to five, there is no underwriting. So let's mm-hmm. just, we'll, we'll, unless we're doing level funded, and then level funded comes into play, and we do want to tell that story. But 
you know, it's very helpful when we can submit a lot of information, as much information as we can about a group to a carrier. So, and the census is a, a big part of that. And a lot of employers this time of year, they're like, oh my gosh, it's a census. It's a lot of information. I don't mm-hmm. know if I have it all. You know, and we get a lot of pushback, but that's the part, the main part that we need to be able to present to a carrier because what they're looking for, they're looking at the demographics of the group, okay? Is it male, female? How many are, let's say, how many are young female? What's the population? Mm -hmm. We know that those younger females are out having babies and, you know, they're out for six weeks at a time. So that's very important when we're looking at, say, short-term disability, They're going to be out for six weeks. We're trying to figure out how many, you know, of those younger employees are in this particular company. And so your rates may be a little higher if you do have a lot of younger females working for you. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, if you're um, a company with a lot of, say, an electrical company and you've got a lot of younger gentlemen working for you, then you may have a, you know, a better rate because you're not going to have as many people out Uh, taking advantage of that benefit. So that's definitely something that the carriers are looking for. They're also looking for the industry type. So is it blue collar? Is it white collar? So for example, let's use a dental plan. Um, If I go to a dental carrier with a law firm versus that same electrical company, the rates for that law firm are probably going to be higher because they're going to utilize the plan more often. So the rates are going to be a little higher than, say, a blue-collar company Mm -hmm. um, would experience. You know, they also want to take a look at how long they've been in business, the location of the business. Mm -hmm. So with regards to that same dental plan, you know, here in the Hampton Roads area where I'm located, we have access to a large number of dental providers. So I'd most likely look at a MAC plan or maximum allowable charge on the out-of-network portion of it just because our our network is so vast here. Right. If we move out to a more rural part of the state, then I might look at maybe an 80th or 90th percentile reimbursement out-of-network just because they don't have access to the number of dental providers that we typically have here in Hampton Roads. So if they do go out of network, we want to make sure that, you know, they're covered. Um, So there's a lot of information that goes into that census. And, um, you know, the more we have, the better story we can tell, you know, the better off the carrier is going to be with regards to their underwriting process. Right. Cool. Now, too, something that some people may not know, like, um, so that really is kind of two groups. There's, you have large group plans and small group plans. And there's an advantage to being in a large group plan other than just pricing. And that is in a large group plan, you actually get, you can work with the carrier, uh, current carrier, to get uh, a synopsis and a quarterly summary of what your uh, what your claims information is. So it gives you a lot of really good data. Um, it can be interpreted in a number of different ways, but it definitely gives you the facts as to what is going on. But what it won't give you is it won't give you the names of your members or it won't give you the names of your employees as to who this is. So let's say, for example, a very common thing that happens in most companies is that you may have one or two employees or a handful of employees that um, are being treated for cardiac something or other, right? And right. you won't have their names. Or if it's a dependent, 
you won't have the dependence information. You can tell if it's an employee or if it's a dependent of an employee, but you'll never be able to know, you know, who that is. And not to mention, there's also a, a fallacy behind some thinking in that is, is that you can get the information, you can't. The actual carriers will not provide you the names that's protected information, and uh, they won't release that. Um, exactly. And also, right, it also does the employer a good position by not knowing that information because they're not legally obligated to. So, um, you know, there are some privacy factors involved. But nonetheless, it does give you a really great summary of data to take a look at to see, you know, how much money is being paid on your highest claims, how much money is being spent and paid towards prescription plans. So if you're in a large group, this is a good thing to be asking for if you're not getting it, and it's a good thing to be analyzing just on a quarterly basis anyway. Exactly, and it also helps to set your expectation come renewal. Yeah. So yeah, if you are you have a large number of high-dollar claimants, you know that renewal is going to be dreadful when it comes mm-hmm. out. But, you know, at least it's not a surprise when, you know, you have that meeting with your broker or you get it in the mail or however you get it. You know, hopefully you're sitting down with your broker on a, you know, at least a quarterly basis reviewing these reports. Um looking at high-dollar claimants, looking at, you know, like you said, drug utilization, you know, what these drugs are, are they high-dollar drugs? And so if you're a large group, then you can, that information will also allow you to help design your plan. So maybe you want to change your pharmacy benefit next year um, so that, you know, the pharmacy benefit, um, you know, maybe there's a a deductible just for pharmacy, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, You don't want to make it so that it's, you know, financially, you're the, that the employee is not financially able to purchase it, but you are able to manipulate your plan based right. on the, that claim information. Right, exactly. So something that a lot of people, when they hear open enrollment, a lot of people just kind of think of it as an event, like a one-time shot out of the year, and that is the time when they actually go in to the system or utilize paper or whatever they're doing, to make their elections and then everything gets submitted and then voila, then when the plan year starts, my benefits are there. I get my new insurance cards and things like that. But, you know, really open enrollment isn't necessarily a one-time event. Open enrollment is a much longer time period that involves a lot of different things. And um, and we've been starting to kind of talk about some of the things. But, Kim, in, in your opinion, what would you say is the overall goal that people should be thinking about or goals that should be thinking about when it comes to open enrollment? So I've narrowed it down to three, cost cutting, increasing your benefits package, and employee satisfaction. So if we start with cost cutting, it could be that, you know, maybe the employer um, wants to reduce their overall cost because typically benefits are the second most expensive expense um, next to payroll. So, Maybe the employer wants to reduce the contribution they're making. Could be that they offer a second or third plan where they're paying X number of dollars towards, you know, the lowest cost plan, and then they'll allow the employee to buy up mm-hmm. to the to a better plan. Um, it's going to cost the employee more money. However, it may be a better decision for their family, um, but it gives employees the option to do that. And, you know, we're seeing a lot of groups um, that have already introduced um, a consumer-driven health plan paired with a HSA or HRA 
or it could be that, you know, they don't have a deductible. We have very few companies these days that don't have a deductible. <laughs> right. Um, but perhaps they start to introduce a deductible, you know, maybe a 500 or $1,000 deductible um, to reduce those, those costs. Um, so that's the overall cost-cutting um, analysis. But one of the biggest things is that I think employers truly want to make their employees happy so they're mm-hmm. going to try to do everything they can to increase that benefits package. And one of the things that we see um, are voluntary benefits. So, you know, everyone's heard of AFLAC. They know all about the duck. Um, but there are <laughs> other carriers such as Transamerica, Allstate, Colonial, um, that offer these voluntary benefits such as accident coverage, hospital coverage, cancer coverage, could be whole life coverage, vision, disability so there are a number of different benefits that if the employer doesn't pay for that or even offer it, um, that the employee can choose to, you know, basically um, choose a plan or plans that's most beneficial for their their family. So the, the accident plan, oh, my goodness, so many people have the accident plan. If you stub your toe on the coffee table or you break a tooth or you're clumsy like me and you, you know, sprain your ankle and have to go to the emergency room or something like that, that accident plan will pay you directly um, for seeking medical coverage. And mm-hmm. so that helps the employee by, you know, giving them money to help offset their medical bills. They could use that money to... Um, to pay for childcare while they're recuperating. So there's a number of different things those voluntary plans are good for. Um, another one is legal resources. This is a great benefit. Um, this typically costs the employee about $20 a month. And if you think about it, $240 a year basically um, is less than one hour with a lawyer. So what this does, it basically works like a legal HMO. So the old school network where in this particular instance, you would pick a law firm and that would act as your primary care physician, your doctor that you did everything (laughs) Mm -hmm. with, but you're using an attorney to do that. So you have a law firm. You may go there because you got a speeding ticket. You may go there because you need a will prepared. Mm -hmm. Um, It could be a number of different things. And so you go to that particular law firm for all of your needs and it's great. Um, Could be that you've got, you know, teenagers that get a lot of speeding tickets, um, you know, just a lot of different things. So that's a a nice benefit to have. Um, And ironically, pet insurance is one of the up-and-coming benefits that everyone is raving over. Um, You and I are pet lovers. Um, Yes, we are. You too. a little itsy-bitsy-mitsy. You know, pets are very expensive, Um, So with pet insurance, you can design your own plan and um, based on the age and the breed of your dog, and, you know, you'll be able to get a discount by going through your employer. Mm -hmm. So those are neat little benefits to have. Yeah. You know, and this, this, um, you know, all of these help um, cover expenses for the employee and, and their family. I mean, and that's ultimately what the benefits are designed to do. Um, and it could be, you know, the employee is trying to save money for college. So, you know, there's different, you know, whole life options to choose from. So that makes it really, really nice. You know, employers, especially on the smaller side, may not have the budget to offer 
you know, anything but medical. But these voluntary benefits give those employers the ability to increase their offering to employees and, um, you know, to attract and retain employees. And then ultimately, you know, we want to make sure that the employees are satisfied. So I always say perception is reality. And, um, you know, it could be, you know, employers love to be able to provide all of these benefits, but perhaps they can't pay for benefits. So, again, those voluntary benefits come into play. And, you know, it may be that you roll out one every year. Maybe you survey, you go around, and you talk to a couple people in the lunchroom or in the hallway and say, you know, hey, what would you like to see, you know, the company have this year? We're just trying to take a look and see, get an idea, and get a feel of, you know, what would help you and your family. And so I always think it's important to, you know, bring employees into the conversation about their benefit package. It's very helpful um, because ultimately you want to meet the needs of those employees and their families. Yeah, no, I agree. And, you know, the thing, too, is that you mentioned it, you, you nailed it right on the head, is that, you know, by having a, a good benefits plan and, a, and, and that plan design, it makes you more competitive as far as being an employer choice in the market. It's the it, Everybody these days is expected to have some form of benefit. Um, you know, with the onset of the Affordable Care Act, which now requires for any company with 50 or more employees to be able to provide uh, medical coverage, that has kind of turned the hand. But you know, in an environment like where we are today, where it's very difficult to find qualified talent, you know, up, upping your ante on the benefit side, particularly on the voluntary side, is what definitely makes you more attractive and manage that cost control as well. So mm-hmm. it's definitely something to consider when you're looking at yourself or looking at the company as an employer with choice. So once open enrollment is taking place, <laughs> the one thing that a, an employer could not spend enough time on is actually, and correct me if you disagree with this, but communicating to their employees, and that's not just delivering information, but it's making themselves available to answer questions right. and, uh, you know, to really kind of address the, the Q&A and the concerns. And then also making sure that there's a little bit of a chase afterwards that, those people who are at risk of missing deadlines don't. So, uh, but can you can you throw in some thoughts around, like, what are some of your best practices around communicating with employees that you've seen in your tenure? You know, I always education is the most important thing. I mean, it is. You know, employees see it as the one time of year that they get to enroll in benefits, even though it is typically a year-round process. So all of this comes to, you know, all of the information, all the work that's done on the back end comes to this, you know, one, you know, time of year, a week, two weeks um, for employees to make those decisions. And so you want to let them know that it's coming up. So perhaps putting posters in, you know, the break room, in the hallway, on the door to your suite or your office to let them know that open enrollment is coming up. There are going to be meetings or webinars or however um, it's going to be rolled out. Let them know that it's coming and that, you know, it's for the plan year so-and-so. Um, could be January 1st or it could be, you know, a contract year. It may start at a different time of year. But um, posters and email communication. Email, you know, everyone is on their phone these days. So whether they're in the office or they're looking <laughs> yes, at their phone, they are. millennials. Um, oh, it's you 
everybody. <laughs> it is everyone. It's, it's centennials. Myself it's included. It's actors. It's it's boomers. Yeah, it's everybody. Everyone is looking at their phone. So mm-hmm. email is a great way to communicate that. You know, send it out once or twice a week. You know, before a couple weeks before um, the event is going to take place to let people know that this is actually going to happen. Um, and then, you know, let them know that there's a benefits website available. So one of the things that Town Benefits does for their employ- their groups is we have a benefits website that has not only their new benefits for the upcoming plan year, but their current benefits are on there. So that they will be able to compare mm-hmm. current and um, renewal plans. You know, and then again, it's a great place to roll out any new benefits. Um, all of the compliance information. We both know that the Affordable Care Act places a lot of responsibility on employers to post a lot of information um, compliance-wise, um, you know, to, to roll that material out. And so that information is all out there on the website. Um, and again, going back to technology, online enrollment is the is the name of the game. I mean, whether you're a small group or a large group, used to be that only the larger groups had access to online enrollment. Right. Um, we've we've built a platform here um, that is specific to smaller groups, so the smaller groups can have online enrollment. It's great. You can do it on your phone. You can do it at your desk. You know, you can do it at home, but it allows. You know, it, it's a, it does a couple things. It, it eases the open enrollment process, plus you have electronic signatures not only for your benefits but for the fact that you um, that your employees have seen and know about the compliance information. So that's very important. Um, getting face-to-face with employees, you know, letting them know, hey, you know, we've got open enrollment. I'm here for you if you have questions, you know, I'm here's your HR person. We also have a broker that can help you, um, you know, face-to-face. You know, we've got a lot of people that, you know, are not fans of technology, and so they want someone to sit down with them and go over those benefits. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's very important too. And then, of course, videos. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's videos are great. Podcasts are great. Um, thank goodness, right? And so, you know, perhaps you're rolling out a plan, a consumer-driven health plan that's paired with an HSA. Well, how does that work? You know, what does that mean? Does that mean do I still have to pay a premium? You know, what's a deductible? How does it all work? You know, what's a flexible spending account? What's an out-of-pocket maximum? Oh, I've Those got one to add to this list, too. What's that? The difference between embedded and non-embedded plans. Oh, dear Lord, yes. That's that always a complicated a one. Yeah, that's, yes. that's like an episode all in of itself right there, just that one thing. But <laughs> we'll, we'll yes. do that next year. But, um, <laughs> that's a good one to put on the website. Oh, my gosh, yes. But that but that would also be another good one, is that especially if you've got a larger group and you're looking at an embedded plan and a non-embedded plan, it, short version is how your deductibles actually work when you've got multiple people on the plans. We'll just leave it at that. <laughs> exactly. To be continued. Right, to be continued. Or ask your broker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so with all of this really great information, do you have any best practices or uh, like a recipe to success in in executing and, and pushing out an open enrollment plan with an employer? You know, I've narrowed it down to the five C's, 
um, when I meet with employers, it's it's talking about cost, talking about coverage information. We just did that. Cha- we did. We just got done doing communication. Yeah, but didn't talk about the five C's. Okay, then I'll let you start again. Well, no, so we well, I mean, I guess we did. We did ultimately cover it. Yeah, we did. Um, okay. We can so what, we can edit this out. So we, I can take this out. Okay. And then so once after I talk about embedded and non-embedded plans, if you want to jump back in and say there's there's five other things that I recommend. There's a couple of there's something else that I want to share with you as well. So we can we can do that if you'd well, like. I think we've kind of that would be duplicating, I guess. No, no, it's all right. That's fine. Okay, yeah. that's fine. All right, so. Uh, so where are we going now? So steps to successful open enrollment. Okay. It was three. There's just now four. Start early. Oh, okay. Yeah, that right. one. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I'll start the question again. How's that? Okay. Okay. So you know we what you're providing is really fantastic information. Um, in your experience, what have you seen uh, best practices, a recipe for success? that leads to a very successful open enrollment working with the employer? Um, I've narrowed that down to three steps. Um, The first is start early. The earlier, the better. There are a lot of decisions, (laughs) a lot of moving parts when it comes to open enrollment. And so the more information we can get up front and earlier, um, the better. You know, for example, that census, that's a perfect example of trying to get the information early. If we can get it early, then by the time the renewal comes in, we've got RFPs written up. We can just, you know, put everything out there um, and send it to the carrier because it will take them time to, their underwriters time to prepare the proposal. We've got to get them back as a broker and analyze them. Is this a good fit, not a good fit? What are the differences between, you know, the plans? Mm-hmm. So, again, um, just getting the information early so that we can execute open enrollment on time. Um, the second thing is to be able to communicate changes. Every year there are always changes, um, you know, with consumer-driven health plans, you know, the annual maximums for an HSA typically change every year. They're indexed, so we need to let employers know that that's increased. Same thing with flexible spending accounts. They're indexed Mm -hmm. typically every year, um, Mm -hmm. and we need to let them know that information. Um, The maximum out-of-pocket, or stop-loss, as some people call it, um, that's indexed every year. And then um, talking about funding, you know, you've got three options. I mean, most groups are fully insured. The larger groups um, are self-insured. And then you have a hybrid called level funded and so you know we're seeing a lot of that if if they're a good healthy group um, then level funding is a good option for them and so you know being able to get into um, a meeting with your group early and be able to explain that um, you know that's a great thing so communication is key and then you need to connect with your employees So, again, that goes back to all of the items that we talked about before, you know, getting the information out there, letting them know the meeting is there, you know, the benefit website, you know, the online enrollment is coming, and, you know, that may be something that is new to them that year. So being able to to get that up and running, um, face-to-face conversations and those educational videos. 
So start early, number one, communicate changes, and then connect with your employees. Love it, love it, love it, love it. So if you guys would like to reach out to Kim, she's got she's got some, some great things that she can share. She's got more great things that she can share that we're just not including today since, you know, we're like that here over at Best Practices and Human Resources Podcast. So if you guys would like to get a hold of Kim, Kim, how can people reach out to you and find you? They can call me directly at 757-390-2051, or they can email me at Kim, K-I-M, Setzer, that's S as in Sam, E-T-Z-E-R, at town, T-O-W-N-E, benefits with an S.com. Very good. Well, thank you again so much for joining us. This has been fantastic, and um, would love to have you back uh, next year when we get closer to benefits or maybe even another episode a little bit sooner in the year where we can talk about that stinky embedded, non-embedded stuff. (laughs) I'd love to. Thank you, Brenda. I enjoyed being here today. No problem. Thank you. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed that segment. Um, Today I want to do a spotlight real quick on one of our affiliates, uh, Legal Resources. Legal Resources is uh, a really awesome benefit that you can actually provide for your employees. You can work to either have it be an an employee or an employer provided benefit. And it allows your employees the opportunity to go ahead and seek out legal advice um, under a particular plan with certain types of pricing available and uh, discounts specifically for things like trust planning, drafting a will, and other, you know, specific legal requirements. And and you guys can check out legal resources by clicking on over to bestpractices.work at the website, click on the affiliates link, scroll down to you see legal resources and link on over. And if you want a formal introduction by all means, reach out to me and I'll be happy to go ahead and help you guys shake some hands. Um, We've got workshops coming up October, November, and December. Uh, This is a great opportunity to get set up for these. Um, Hiring for talent for employers and workshop. We've got a couple opportunities in October coming up. We've also got in November kicking off a successful new year. And we also have uh, in December helping grieving employees through the holidays. That's going to be a a pretty uh, strong workshop because not every, just about every employer has at least one or a small handful of those individuals. So you can register for these events today at bestpractices.work by clicking on the events link and then just click right on over into each segment and you'll be able to go ahead and register for the event. Now we have new courses that are coming out. They're not quite ready yet for release, but on the HR University by Best Practices, Currently, we have Understanding Generation Z, which is the newest course that was released. We have Hiring Talent for Employers, and then we also have an overview of the American Disabilities Act for Employers. Now, when we release a new course, there is a 5 for 50 special, which basically means that it's 50% off for the first five days after the course is released. The new course discount will expire, but you are able to take advantage of the special offering by clicking on the HR University at the top of the bestpractices.work website and logging in and taking the much needed information. So what's going to be coming down is that we're going to be releasing individual courses and then we're also going to be releasing boot camp bundles as well. 
We're focusing in on general HR compliance in three different segments. And then we're also doing government contracting as well. So that's going to be a different uh, boot camp segment. But we're going to keep you tuned in when those things are coming up. And then also um, two books that are available for you guys. The Holy Cow, I Have to Complete an I-9 book. And then Holy Cow, I Have to Talk to My Boss. You guys can also go ahead and purchase those books both online at the website or you can jump onto Amazon and grab them over there as well. So email me your HR questions. This is uh, pretty awesome stuff. I love answering these questions. I get really good ones. But you can go ahead, jump on the website, click on the podcast link from the menu, and down towards the bottom of the podcast is a submission form for you to actually post your question, which I may read and answer on an upcoming episode. Not to mention when you sign up for best practices and have those things delivered to your inbox, those best practices, you get a little free gift from me as well. Now you guys can follow me and find out what is going on in my world on a couple different places. So you can follow me on Instagram, Facebook at Best Practices in HR. You can also find me on Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube at Brenda Neckbottle. And again, my name is spelled N-E-C-K, like the thing you want to choke. V as in Victor, A-T-A-L. And once again, you can go ahead and Find more information on the bestpractices.org website. Jump on the mailing list and you are going to get the latest and greatest of best practices right into your inbox. And I really want to, again, thank you guys for taking the time to join me today. This has been yet another fantastic episode. You guys have a great one and I will talk to you next time. Take care. Bye.